everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. This episode is a little bit different. We had Mary Lou Henner uh, as a guest for a Q&A that we did for our monthly watch long series we do for our patrons, where we bring on a star. And in this case, instead of watching a movie, we just uh, had a Q&A and we talked with her and she was kind enough to allow us to record it. And so we are airing it uh, now as, as an interview. And this was a great opportunity to get a feel for some of the relaxed conversational banter that we have during our watch-alongs and Q&As. And it's a great opportunity to become a patron, only $2 a month, and you can participate in all the activities that we offer. And there's other benefits and other tiers that you can also participate in. And we certainly appreciate it so much. All the information to become a patron will be in the description. But if you understand why this is not this is a little bit different sounding than our typical interviews. That's why. And we're so grateful to Mary Lou. She's amazing. And enjoy. And please, please consider becoming a patron. We would be so grateful. Thanks so much. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We are really excited today. We are here with the patrons of the Hallmarkies podcast. And we are giving you an inside look into what we do every month for our special uh, patrons events that we do uh, we do watch alongs sometimes and then we also have the q a's and we are doing that today with actress mary lou henner our princess of hallmark mary lou thank you so much for coming and doing this Woo-hoo! i'm so excited i'm so honored i was so excited when i found out my publicist sent me the the email and I said, what, I'm up for princess? I wasn't even a princess at, you know, six or anything. I said, I'm so excited. And I said, get me, and then when I won, I said, oh, I wanna to talk to the person who's in charge because I, you know, I wanna find out what the ceremony is like, how long the speech should be and everything else. And it was such an honor, you have no idea because I love Hallmark. I've done 25 Hallmark movies. And I think I probably got this honor because of the Hanukkah movie. I mean, of course, because of Roy Teagarden, which is, you know, seven, we're 17 in on that. But the Hanukkah movie was such a special, special experience for me. So when your work gets recognized that way, I just felt so blessed. And I don't think I've been that excited to get an award since I was named Outstanding Teenager of Illinois when I was in high school. <laughs> so thank you so, so much. And I just adore all of you. And I hope I've become just a regular around here and can give you a lot of insight yes. anytime you want. Well, we were so thrilled because I'll be honest, when we were putting together the nominations, we were like, we're not going to be able to get Mary Lou Henner. She's too big a name. She's not going to do it. But we went ahead and made the nomination because we just had to do it. And then you ended up being the best. So we're so excited. <laughs> Well, I'm a girl from the Midwest. I mean, come on. We, yeah. you, know, you know how it is. I'm from Chicago and I know there's a bunch of other people from the Midwest. We, you know, you don't see the edit like, oh, there's too big, too small. It's like, you're just people. We're just all people. And if you're like friendly and you love people, then you want to connect with them anyway. So I, I love mm-hmm. talking. You know, I, I feel like uh, I, I, I can't be social enough with people or talk to them enough so it's the girl from the big family i'm i can't have enough people sleeping at my house eating at my table so that's just how i roll Mm -hmm. that's great well what we usually start asking in these interviews is uh, how did you get inspired to get into acting to begin with what was your uh your beginning well i don't know if you know anything about my family but i had a very colorful family i grew up in the Part of the city in the heart of Chicago and my family there were six kids two parents um, my family had a, a fake garage in our backyard and we ran a dancing school out of the backyard we lived right next door to the Catholic Church St. John Berkman's and so we had 200 students including the nuns 200 students between the ages of 2 and 80 including the nuns from the Catholic school next door and my mother used to give them stretch classes they'd come over or she'd go to the convent and as soon as you were 14 in as one of the siblings you got your own class you usually started with a baby class because they were easy to manage and then you know we just had all these different classes going on I always say that uh, because we taught not only tap ballet and jazz to little kids but we also my mother taught like the grown-ups jazz class or you know we nicknamed her classes all the time and then um, she also taught social dancing so I always say that somewhere in, in my house or my yard everybody had their first kiss 
because she taught like teenagers on a Friday night. She taught seventh and eighth graders at 6.30 and then the high school kids at 7.30. So they all kind of paired up, whatever. Um, but that wasn't enough for my mother. She also ran out of our kitchen. She ran a beauty shop with about 25 women from the neighborhood who used to come over and get their hair done. And she'd go over to the convent and cut their hair, the nun's hair, because they wore habits and you never could see their hair. Um, and so we had our kitchen set up like a salon. Instead of uh, a refrigerator, which was in the basement, we had a blue hair drying chair sitting there in the middle of the kitchen. And um, my brother, you know, my brother always says, I thought hair was supposed to be in your soup. You know, because it was always like, it was like madness. But that still was not enough. Wait, there's uh -huh. more. My uncle, who was my mother's younger brother, he lived upstairs with 10 cats, two dogs, two birds, a skunk, 150 fish, and his boyfriend, Charles. And he taught at the Catholic grammar school next door. He taught art at the Catholic grammar school next door. And after school, while the beauty shop was going on, while the dancing school was going on, he had art classes upstairs. Uh, with the kids coming over. He was also the neighborhood astrologist and he ran a cat hospital on our roof. So the way I grew up felt like show business. And, uh, and what happened was people would do shows in Chicago, whether it was high schools or colleges or, or community theaters, and they'd call the school and say, oh, we need 12 kids for the King and I. And I'd be like, pick me, pick me. Uh, we need two kids for South Pacific, pick me, pick me. So I got, to, I, got into the whole, I got into the whole community theater system as a little kid. And when I was 15 years old, I did a very successful production in Chicago at a place called Hull House which was like Wisdom Bridge or like any of those places in Chicago that you hear about, um, Steppenwolf or any of those places. And a friend of mine who was in advertising, he called me up two years later. He said, Henner, I've written this show. It may never get off the ground. We're gonna perform it in a converted trolley barn. You always reminded me of the girls I went to high school with. I wrote it about the kids I went to high school with, even though he was 10 years older than I was, so 11 years older. And he said, and it's called Grease. So I was in the original, 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 original production of Grease as Marty. If you've ever seen the play, it's very different from the movie. And when the show was going to Broadway, I was going to college. I didn't think it was going to be a hit. I went to University of Chicago. Grease went to Broadway. And then I ended up doing the national company because he called me and said, come here to rehearse. Come, come here. I've saved your part for you for the first national company. And I was like, oh, I've got two papers due. I'm on my way to the library. But I went to New York, I auditioned, I got the part and was a college student in the morning and a professional actress in the afternoon. So it was really that windy, twisty road from dancing school to community theater, to Greece, to Broadway and everything started after that. That is a really incredible story. <laughs> I love that, wow. So how big was this house? They you oh, had all this going on. Oh my gosh, the bedrooms, you couldn't even have a double bed in the bedrooms. They were all the, the, all the, you know, the beds were like butted up against each other in a T. You couldn't even have them side by side. It was either bunk beds. I mean, it was not big at all, but it just had a lot of life. In fact, we saw it, we went home for a, a reunion from our parish and we went home and knocked on the door and walked through it and it looked so tiny even smaller than in our imagination i think that's what happens to me yeah. when you go back and see your childhood home and it's like we did all that there but yeah it was all full of life and that's what happened yeah all right carrie you're next well that's what i was going to ask you mary lou is the house still standing because it sounds like it needs to be a historic monument in <laughs> chicago in this district wherever it was like is it still standing and but no. it's actually you ask that because we saw it in 2007 november 17th it was a saturday november 17th 2007 and a year and a half later they chopped it down but somebody sent not chopped it it wasn't a tree but somebody like broke it up uh and but somebody sent me bricks from the dancing studio so i gave them all to my brothers and sisters i got like a bunch of bricks and they put up a condo and I, we were so stupid for selling it because we would have made a lot of money because that area logan square if you know i mean logan square you know it's pretty a pretty hot area so yeah oh man that's like a hallmark villain story building the condos <laughs> or the dance studio the dancing studio gone everything else but 
so many memories and so many yeah. people. That's great. That's really great. So how did Greece evolve as you as you started from what it kind of became when it was on Broadway and then oh and then the God. movie and everything? First of all, I can't believe you're asking me this because I've been helping. They're writing a Greece book. I was going to, going to write it with them, but I got too busy. So I, I've been helping them with stories and chronology because, you know, people don't have like my crazy memory. So I've been talking about it and we wrote the beginning section, three of the people who still did Greece after that Chicago incarnation, Jim Jacobs, the writer, Jim Canning, who played the original Duty on Broadway. He was Duty in the Chicago company. And I played Marty and I did it on Broadway. And I also did it, as I told you, the first national company. Um, and what uh, it was 75% book. Well, here, let me tell you about the first rehearsal for the Chicago company. We walked in and in front of us, there were two stacks of paper, like 10 inches high, two stacks in front of each person. One of them was songs and one of them was scenes. And they passed out the scenes and it was like the book report scene, the polio shot scene, the rumble scene, the lunchroom scene, the pajama party scene, you know, all these different things, the air raid shelter scene, you know, all these crazy scenes from the 50s. And then he passed out songs. And in the first act alone, there were 27 songs. 27 songs and they were like crazy and they were all Chicago reference songs and stuff like that. So I really did not think it was going to be a hit and I didn't want to miss any college. Um, but then when I saw it on Broadway, of course, I was like, oh my gosh, they knew how to change it. So it went from 75% book, 25% music to 75% music and 25% songs. Mm -hmm. And my, we were so tough. We were like a tough Chicago gang of girls. And I was more like Patty Simcox because I was president of all kinds of clubs and I was straight A's and all that. But I, we were like, we'd tease our hair and we'd stick razor blades in it. And we'd like walk up the aisles and step on people's hands because they were sitting on these, they were sitting on like one size bleacher up was like 12 inches off the ground. And we were like black uh, um, stockings that we, you know, purposely run. I mean, we were so tough. And we swore a lot. And my mother said to me, she said, I don't mind if you take your clothes off. I just hate swearing. And she wouldn't come see me in the Chicago production because I said F you in it seven times. <laughs> so I only said it once in the Broadway version. <laughs> but it was so different. It was so raunchy and it was so crazy. And what's funny is there have been so many incarnations of Greece that to go from Chicago to the Broadway to you know, doing it in schools and the mu movie and everything else. It's been sanitized more and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I love Broadway. I'm oh, me too. Uh, and so I'm curious, what is it like when you do a Broadway show? Do you ever get just tired of doing the same show over and over and over and over and over uh, again? No, not at all. I've done seven Broadway shows and I did Greece, like I did 408 performances of Chicago. And I was the first person in and every night I felt like, you know, and I wrote my first health book while I was doing it because I was so revved up from all the fussy, you know, that I'd go after the show, after the, uh, uh, yeah, after the show and I'd go to a place and I'd work with somebody and we, you know, I mean, we just like download this book and it, it, the book in my brain suddenly became downloaded into a computer. And when I left the show, the book came out like a few weeks later and went on the bestseller list. And then I had like a whole nother career in writing. But it was, it was just this incredible, it's a, there's an incredible discipline to Broadway because you are definitely on that schedule. And as the mother at the time of two little boys, it was great because I could give them a bath and then go to the theater, do my warm up, do the show, go to the office, write the book, you know, get up with them in the morning. And it was just so, you know, it was, it, it was just so, such an exciting time. Anytime I've done Broadway, there's something very special about live theater, being in front of people. Every night, the, in, the audience informs your show. It's different. There's a certain pattern. You see that Friday night's date night. So they're always a little more cautious in front of each other. And they, that's not the same laughing crowd as you get Thursday. You know, it's like every night is a different personality. Plus, especially with something like doing Grease on Broadway or Chicago, it's like every night there were like different people that you, you knew were in the audience. So you do something special for them. I never minded doing a long running show. I think the longest I ever did at a stretch was a year. And I loved every second of it because you just want to keep getting better and better and better and better. That's cool. Uh, so when you were in Noises Off, uh, that must have been an incredible movie to be a part of, with an incredible cast. 
and so funny and such a theater show being taken into a movie. Yeah, well, it's very interesting noises off because you know, if you all haven't seen it, it was Michael Caine, Carol Burnett, John Ritter, Christopher Reed, Nicolette Sheridan, Marklin Baker, Denholm Elliott, Julie Haggerty and me. It was such a great group of people. And we had to learn it as a play first because the piece is like a Swiss watch. You know, everything has to work a certain way in order to really pull it off. So we had the script and the script was the thickest script I've ever seen because it was explaining what was going on while we were saying those lines. And we got to a certain point and thought like, something's not working here. So like four and a half weeks into our rehearsal period, they finally called uh, the assistant who had helped, you know, Michael Blakemore and Michael Frank put it together. And she was like, she, her name was Liz. She was a carpenter in Leeds. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, we just threw that off for the Samuel French version. And it was like, no, it's very different, you know, movement. So anyway, we did very different movement than what was described in the script. And finally it all came together, but it was exhausting, but it was so much fun because we rehearsed it for eight weeks and then shot it for six. And it's the only time ever that I've done a movie in sequence because, ah, oh, look at you, my buddy over there with the tap <laughs> background and like, oh, you're just trying to be like Mr. A1 student, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Teacher's pet, got it. Yeah. I actually hadn't seen it until recently. A friend recommended it. Really? And yeah, it was right before, ironically, right before I we met you and oh. that I saw it and I thought it was really fun. I oh, really, really enjoyed fun. it. And I, I have to say, I mean, I've done 68 movies now in my life and I've done all this television and everything else. I would have to say that the part of Belinda, no question about it, is probably the most like me because it's somebody with a lot of energy who always knows what's going on and has to like, you know, be the swizzle stick that solves problems and takes care of this and that. It's very much my character yeah. in real life. That's funny. That's, well, that's interesting. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. If people haven't seen it, they should totally check out. Oh, yeah. as well. yeah. It's really fun. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And there's rhythms to it and everything else. And Michael Caine, he was just, you know, he was just a comedy. He's a comedy master. I mean, well, he's a master actor. He's like watching a master master. So between him and Carol Burnett and John Ritter, if you know John Ritter's work, he's just unbelievable. And he has a fall down the stairs that I still can't believe he did. And there was no stunt person or anything. He just goes tumbling down those stairs and lands perfectly. And, and I can't believe that we lost him and Chris Reed shortly after we did the, not shortly after we did the movie, like 10, 13 years after, uh, 12 years after we did the movie. And it's just so devastating to me that they're both gone because yeah. they were incredible. Both yeah. I have, I just want you to tell me a good story about Taxi whatever the best story you have about taxi doesn't matter what it's about okay i was i'm a little young i was a little young when it was on um i was born in 73 but reruns live on forever oh my gosh well taxi was just well first of all let me just tell you something i just talked to all the guys yesterday because we not only text each other constantly we've done eight zooms we're going to do a ninth Zoom on uh, May 9th. And no we're all doing this thing for Tony Danza on May 6th. We are obsessed with one another to this day. We are such good friends that there isn't like, a, uh, there, there isn't a day that goes by. My family said, you know, every day somebody in this house mentions Tony Danza. We have a Tony, like in some families in the old days, it was Frank Sinatra. They said, you have a Tony Danza mention every day, sure enough. Tony's like one of my best, best, best friends in the world. And I'm close to all of them, all of them. Danny, Tony, Chris, Judd, all of them, Jim Brooks. Um, I always say, even though Wikipedia says 114, we didn't do 114 shows, we did 112 shows uh, because uh, two of the episodes were like a retrospective. But we did 112 shows and we had 112 parties because we were the party cast. We were on the Paramount lot at the same time that um, that uh, Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, Working Stiffs with uh, Jim Belushi and uh, and Michael Keaton, Bosom Buddies with Peter Scolari and Tom Hanks, you know, and of course Robin Williams and Pam Doyle. Everybody hung out at the Paramount lot, but everybody on Friday nights because we were this well-oiled machine and we were usually finished by 9:15, 9:30. Everybody came over to taxi because we had a party every single Friday. So we were like the cool kids on campus because 
we had these incredible parties every Friday. And then four times a year, we'd have a big party in the commissary where we would dance all night and then go out to breakfast. And I, being the only girl up until fifth season, would collect money from the guys, get a playlist together, interface with the caterers. So, you know, you know, you always need somebody who's like the pushy person. I, and because I'm the middle child in my family, I've got like six brothers, there's six of us in the family. Um, I was always banker in Monopoly and I'm always the one to say, okay, come on, let's do this, let's do that. So I think that was just something that I carried over into the taxi cast and it's like, okay, guys, we're buying presents for everyone at Christmas. Okay, guys, we're organizing a softball team. Okay, guys, we're, you know, so it was a taxi. Let's put it this way, Colleen. Every night I planned my outfit for the next day because <laughs> 77 guys and me, okay? Yeah. I will blast. <laughs> Wow. So, so was Andy Kaufman, what was he like? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, Man on the Moon, if you saw the documentary after that Jim Carrey did, you realize that the craziness of Man on the Moon, the character that he, it, it had more to do with him than it did to Andy. Because Andy was like this really sweet guy next door from Great Neck. I mean, he was from Long Island, you know, he, he could be so sweet and so gentle and then then, you know, just say something crazy or do something crazy. But it was the, the yin and yang, the juxtaposition of those two types of characters that you thought, you know, that was his genius. That was his magic. And the fact that he was portrayed in Man on the Moon like he was crazy all the time. It's like there was no downtime, you know, and you didn't feel that from Andy at all. He could have a totally normal conversation with you and then all of a sudden do something absolutely nuts. So... But he was, I adored him. We got along mm -hmm. really well and, you know, flew together a couple times across the country and for publicity or ran into each other at the airport. And he was just sweet. He was really sweet. He fancied himself a song and dance man. So of course he was always interested in my, you know, Broadway and musical background and the dancing school and everything else. So I was always teaching him dance steps or songs or oh. whatever. Yeah. That's that's so sweet. I love that. Yeah, that's I know. And you would never, you would never have never gotten that from Jim Carrey's portrayal of. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So. so you have done some reality shows, and I'm a huge okay. reality fan. I particularly Survivor is my favorite. Okay, well, but I watched Dancing with the Stars for many, many, many seasons, and you were on a season of Dancing with the Stars, and so, and then also Celebrity Apprentice. And what is that like being on these sh on these shows? Well, they're both very, very different, except that mm -hmm. they both they both exhaust you. Uh, <laughs> one of them is a mental game. I mean, Celebrity Apprentice is insane. I the I was on the very first season of it. In fact, I knew the casting person who puts people together, and he called me, and he got Mark Burnett and Donald Trump, and and you know, and he was on the phone. And it was, you know, pretty intense. It was uh, August the 24th of, uh, August 24th of, 19, of, of 2007. So it was a Friday. They all got on the phone and talked to me and I was the first person signed on. Okay, so what happened was um, they thought, okay, usually if you saw the other apprentices, you know, the regular apprentice, they uh, gave everybody like, there was a task, it took a day or two, and then there, there'd be a day off. So it took them 39 days to do 13 tasks. They said, we wanna do as many tasks, you know, 12 or 13 tasks, but we're gonna one, two, three, no days off. Because celebrities don't wanna take the day off, they'd rather just get it over with. But let me tell you something, we got one day off for the New York Marathon and people were dropping like flies. Now, the following year, of course, they did six days a day off, six days a day off, which was much better because we had paramedics. People were falling apart. I don't know if you know Vinnie Pastore, who was on um, uh, Sopranos, but, you know, I mean, anyway, huh. but anyway, so it was pretty, it was very intense. The longest I ever slept, and I only slept three nights for four and a half hours. Usually you'd sleep between one and a half and three hours and you are just running on adrenaline, especially with the first one. It was just like, you're always like buzzing. I lost so much weight. People would say, well, somebody give Mary Lou a hamburger or something because I'm vegan, except I'll eat fish once in a while. But Carol Alt and I, who were both, you know, we're both very healthy. Our meals were always like a meal behind everybody's because they couldn't get us 
the typical meals and you know it was just it was you're buzzing you are buzzing but i loved it i loved doing apprentice because celebrity apprentice because you're constantly using your brain and you're constantly and you figure out what kind of competitor you are you figure out what kind of how you work you know are you the kind that works like what are you good at because you don't have assistants around of course you don't have managers and they're always messing with you which is kind of fun i mean there's like so many things i'll, I'll give you a funny example the very first very first task we did we had to, at one point we had to make posters and stuff so uh all and i was you had to account for every single thing every single thing that you spent money on you had a certain budget blah 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 so all of a sudden i'm turning i'm figuring out where my receipts are and i went oh no i don't have the receipt i whispered over to carol all i said i don't have the receipt i don't have the receipt from that poster place all of a sudden that's all i said and all of a sudden like sharks here come the cameras like surrounding me as I'm digging through my purse, you know, because they're always looking for a story. And I'm digging, I'm going through things, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, okay, maybe calm down. And I said, okay, I called the place and I said, hi, I was in last night. It was around 7.03. It was the third cash register from the right. The girl's name was Annie. Uh, she was wearing a Hawaiian shirt with the blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And so if I didn't have my memory, all of a sudden, oh, yeah. We, I said, here's the fax number. They faxed the receipt. The receipt comes through. Here goes the sharks. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> they go away from me. <laughs> you know, you are always being like messed with. You're, you can't do anything without another person there. You can't go to the bathroom without a camera being outside your door. You've got your, your wired. It's so intense. But I loved it because there's something about using your brain like that and seeing what you're good at and seeing like how you'll pitch in and who you'll help. I, I realized about myself, I'm, I'm competitive only with myself. I was the kind of person who wanted to see if I could do my personal best. I wasn't trying to mess with anybody else. You know, I mean, what's funny is Omarosa, I had such a target on my back the first day, but then she after I came through for the girls team and even though we lost she she said I was like the her rock star and everything else I thought the target's off my back right now because she you know that's her that was her game to like mess with people I mean she and I are friends now so it's funny but yeah I mean it's intense it is probably the most intense mental thing I've ever done in my life and I was happy to do it twice because it's really fun well, not everybody would um, rise to the occasion that way. You know, some people buckle under that pressure. I mean, did you see that too, in that certain personalities will thrive in that environment and other ones do not, right? Oh, I'm telling you, it, you get to know yourself and you get to know other people and you get to see how they throw some, are willing to throw somebody under the bus or lie or cheat or mess with somebody or, or they just can't do it and they just want out. And, but it's, it's something and they shoot so much footage, you know, they shoot so much footage and you always, and they have to tell a story. So even times like in the second one, when I was about to, you, you can go from the super high of your, of the game where you're called a you know, superstar and you're this and perfect and blah, blah. And the next week you forget you're in the toilet. You do one little mistake and you're out, you know, but it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because nobody calls in. You're kind of definitely at the whim of whatever you know Donald Trump wants you to do and so it was pretty it was it was intense but it was a lot of fun because you use your brain constantly and I liked when, that. When you were in the boardroom did you feel like you usually knew who was going to be fired or was just you had no idea? Uh, no sometimes you could see which way you know, things were being funneled and it's very telling you know, because they're, they're constantly doing what they call OTFs. Uh, they're called on the flies. So they'll pull somebody in the middle of doing a task and they'll pull them to the side and we'll say, so what's going on with Rachel? You know, so uh, we heard, we, you know, because everybody's wired. So it's like, we heard Rachel said, blah, 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 to so-and-so. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Oh, yeah, well, it's, you know, whatever. So they already kind of get the feeling of what's going on. Then they get in the boardroom and... Uh, before the boardroom, they're saying, you stand here, you stand there, you stand there. And you could tell like, oh, 
here's the story person. Here's the person who's probably going to get fired because they're the story. Here's the project manager. You're going to be between them because you have something to say. You know, it's like you can see the way you were positioned in the boardroom, what the story was kind of going to be, yeah. you know. So uh, how did you end up getting involved in Aurora Tea Garden? How did that app, how, oh, all happen? Well, Joe Rice is a friend of mine for a long time. He and I were trying to do a movie years ago and he just called me one day and he said, we want you to, I want you to play, uh, there's a, a, a series of books by Charlene um, Harris that are, you know, the Aurora Tea Garden series and Candace Cameron Bray is going to play Aurora and we think the two of you would make a good combination as mother and daughter. So I said, oh, send me the script and let me look at the books and something. I was like, oh, this is so cool. So I walked down the first set for the first one that we did. We, we actually shot the second of the book series, you know, we uh, Bone to Pick, which is the second, whereas the Real Murders Club, I always call it the Little Murders Club. The Real Murders Club is the first book and then the Bone to Pick is the second, but we shot Bone to Pick first. And I walked in and I met Candace and it was like love at first sight. First of all, I found out that she and I had the exact same birthday, so April 6th, um, 24 years apart, but there was just something instantly in our, instant in our chemistry, you know, and she was so fabulous and we just, you know, that was it. We all became, we became friends and the, you guys loved it and supported it and the audience loved it and, and everything. And so then we just kept doing them and doing them and doing them. And we're going to do at least 21 and it looks like more. So. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I when you, when you get this, them. when you get the scripts, do you try to figure out the murderer as you're, as you're reading? Yes. And I never get it right. Then <laughs> I already know that it's not okay. I got to ask you guys, like some of the who've been some of your favorite villains? Because we had sometimes, you know, what's funny is there was a villain that we had, and I went up to the director, the the producer, and I said, uh, he's supposed to be in, innocent, and then the audience is surprised. And I was surprised when I read the script that he was the guy. I said, but this guy. He's acting so guilty. His eyebrows are acting guilty. His eyebrows are giving away his guiltiness, you know, is being guilty. So they went to him and he said, oh, well, I know I'm guilty. So he, and they said, no, but this is a Hallmark movie. You're not supposed to let on to the audience that you know you're guilty. You know, that's the fun of these characters, you know. Like, calm down with the eyebrows. <laughs> calm down with the eyebrows. Well, like when, when the, the actor comes in and it's, uh, you know, we know that they're the villain by that time, we always think like, okay, what part of their physiognomy is going to give them away? You know, is it the eyes? Is it the eyebrows? Is it their smile? Whatever. But I think they're, I think they're so well written. I'd love to know what you guys, like who've been some of your favorite villains and who are some of your like not so favorite villains? Does anybody well, know? My favorite, I don't know about villains in particular, but my favorite one of the series that I've seen, I actually haven't seen all of them. I've watched all the early ones yet, but um, I think Last Seen Alive is my favorite. I think the whole movie within a movie uh, dynamic was really fun. And I liked that one. And then the um, Reap When You Sow, that one was probably my least favorite. Least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know it was her? Um, yeah, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, yeah, I remember feeling like, oh, that was really obvious Oh, really? Oh, on that one. Interesting. Yeah. I and I don't know. I just didn't like that one that much at the time. I haven't seen it in a long time, but, no. um, but yeah, the, uh, the last thing alive is, was really fun and ending it that whole sort of smoke and, uh, um, uh, you know those kind of old warehouses type things with the chases and yeah. and uh, it got that's pretty a, fun. You know, that's a mine. That's a former mine in Britannia. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. In Last Seen Alive, you want to hear something interesting? I don't know if you remember in Last Seen Alive, we were in a structure where it was kind of where the production offices were and where they had the tables of the you know the. Uh, um, the you know what I'm saying? The, the all the food and everything else. Um, and you know, yeah, the production offices, that's, that's where it was. Craft service table, right. So that's where that, that structure in Britannia is the exact same structure in uh, Sign, Sealed and Delivered where I played in the show. I don't know if you ever saw the episode I did for Sign, Sealed and Delivered, but it's where my daughter was in the contest and sang. 
and where, you know, like she, she and I get up and sing together. I jump up on stage and sing with her. It was like their local hangout bar and it was the exact same place. I mean, that, you know, Vancouver offers so many opportunities for like beautiful places because the views are incredible and the structures are great. So can you guys tell that we shot more in Squamish originally and now we've moved mostly to like Abbotsford and Langley. Does it look a little different? Like my, you know, my office, the library, all those kinds of things. Have you noticed that? We, there's enough space, I think, between them that we did that, it, that I think that helps. But if it was, if you watch them all, then you probably would notice. Yeah. Uh, back Tomorrow to back. They're always putting us up against like the Academy Awards, you know? so <laughs> I guess we should be flattered, but yeah, we're on like, yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, it must have been. It must have been fun. I forget the name, but the one where you—I think it was an inheritance to die for. I think, um, yeah. the one where you and you—they you, inherited the money, mm -hmm. and yeah. so they were all very suspect of you. Guilty eyebrows. Yeah, that was <laughs> guilty eyebrows guy. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the one. I loved. I also loved uh, um, uh, the uh, a very foul play. I think she's unbelievable. The actress who played the villain. Um, and I, and I loved, uh, you know, what else I really loved is the, uh, the, the, where the crown, the heist, heist and seek. Mm -hmm. I thought that guy, you know, cause he didn't look like the typical, he, the, you know, blonde hair, British. He didn't have the stubble, the typical Hallmark stubble. I mean, he was really, yeah. He was, yeah. I liked he, was, him. he was good. Yeah. That was a good one. That one got pretty grisly, pretty, yeah, pretty. Yeah. That was Peter Benson's. He, di he directed that. Oh. I love Peter. Peter's the funniest person in the entire group of us. He makes Candace at sometimes five times during our 15 days together. He makes her cry where she has to get all new makeup and she's like snorting snot because she's laughing so hard. Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, he was a great interview. We loved having him on the podcast and, and he actually won, not this year, but previous year he won um hallmark prince yeah so. he's, <laughs> he's a wonderful actor you don't catch him acting you know he's just a great yeah, yeah a, it's cool that he got to direct too yeah yeah and he's oh and he just directed lacey chabert in like two movies and stuff mm -hmm. i mean he's on his way he's gonna probably direct another one in our future i mean we, we mostly had martin which was great what did you guys think of the last one did you like it the con con yeah yeah it was fun uh it's wasn't my, probably wasn't my favorite but i don't know what did it did any of you get to see that one did you guys see that one what was it called it's called oh. how to con a con oh yeah it was fun i thought it was really fun yeah i liked it mm -hmm. i'm dying for you guys to see the wedding i think it's by far our best that because it fires on all cylinders in terms of a great uh mystery and in terms of everybody gets their moment yeah fabulous and aurora's dad comes back so oh that's my gosh yeah well one thing about how to con a con that was crazy i thought kismet was that i i did the recap with my dad oh, yeah. and two of the characters have my last name wagner oh in this story i'm like what are the chances that we'd have two wagners <laughs> on the podcast and there's two characters named wagner and then the other movie that we covered had uh, joe wagner isn't one of the actresses oh. <laughs> your cousin yeah my cousin. that's right <laughs> so that was pretty cool but yeah we're really excited about the wedding uh, that's gonna be fun Do you see her dress it's, oh, it's that's really so cool, cool. yeah it's it, it, it seemed like in the last one like you're wanting to be a big deal she's wanting to be a smaller affair i guess will that continue into kind of this next movie mm. Yes, yeah, well, too much, uh... pretty much, you know, where it is. I mean, it's funny because if you remember in Inheritance to Die For, there was a wedding and then there was a funeral, like, you know, memorial service, like in the same, mm -hmm. and that's the little church, but that church was so not attractive for a wedding. And even in Harukana Khan, where they have a conversation with the, the, the uh, minister in, in that church, but we said, no. So we went up to Squamish to shoot and it was the same church that we used in the very first one. And it's beautiful. It was oh, really pretty. Cool. So it's really cool. It's great. I'm so curious to see what you guys are going to think of her dad and the chemistry between us and the chemistry between them. And 
everything else. Also, there, I don't think Candace, I think Candace is the, the most beautiful she's ever been in the wedding one. She's beautiful. Just oh, that's exciting. Her dress, her gown, and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, we can't wait. What's it like when you get to do the movies like the Hanukkah? You've done two Hanukkah movies for, for Hanukkah. Hallmark. Yeah, and I've done, um, I did a Christmas movie called, um, uh, uh, that that one also changed a, a billion times, the one with Rachel Boston and Jonathan Bennett. Um, had, what's the final title that they say? I, it, it was Boston. a holiday reunion. Did you ever see that? Oh, one? I don't think I've seen that. Oh, yeah. Need to get on that. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's streaming good. somewhere. I've seen it. Yeah. So I've seen it. Yeah. And I also did the other Hanukkah movie was um, Hitched for the Holidays with Joey Lawrence and Emily Hampshire. And let's see, what else did have I done? Oh, I love Love on a Limb, which I did with Trevor, which is was his Trevor Donovan and um, Ashley. Um, what's her name? Ashley. Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was that was an interesting movie because here is a fall film. So we're all wearing sweaters and bundled up and it was 108 degrees because we shot it in Almont uh, right outside of Ottawa. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's always funny to have that. Yeah. And then you were in June, June and January. I love that movie. Oh my gosh. First of all, I love her so much. She and I got along so well. And Wes is a character. He's just a lot of fun. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we love Brooke Diorsay. Uh, we'd love to uh, mm -hmm. talk to her sometime, but, uh, but we love her. She's I so know, sweet. I have to get, I, I promised you that I would. Rachel, I failed you. I told Michelle about you, Michelle Victory. Victory. She, she's oh, yeah. yes. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that one's a fun one. We love Wes. He's great. And uh, it's, it's sometimes those Bridezilla ones are tricky for me. Uh, mm -hmm. but because you have Brooke Dewar say so likable that helps so likable she's so adorable it's hard to like dislike her as the mother-in-law you know so did you notice that my husband in that was the guy that was in uh the the um the one what was that what was the name of that one not how to not, what was, another one that where they changed Mark Jean directed it and it was oh, cat and mouse something cat and mouse that's what they oh, okay. did too it was called uh -huh. something different before did you ever see that one for the royalty garden yeah i don't think I, uh it doesn't sound familiar but yeah. okay so anyway yeah. so one of the guys who's a suspect or that was like oh is he suspicious he played my husband in june and january and now he's playing this very nebbishy guy who's kind of like weird a little oddball and everything you know i mean i loved doing the Hanukkah movie because it was about something, you know, it was yeah. about the 23 and Me aspect of it. I adored Mia. I've known Ben since he was very little. So, you know, it's like, it's always about the part and what you get to do in it. You know? Yeah, that's great. Here, and here's the thing, you know, people always go, oh, it's the location, oh, it's the clothes. I wear all my own clothes. Oh, really? I wear all of my own clothes because they don't have the budget to dress Aida the way she should be dressed. And I do a lot of talk show appearances and people give me things. So I always bring like tons of wardrobe. I look like a slob most of the time in quarantine because I've got like <laughs> a gap black t-shirt that I bought 22 of them. It's like a black boat neck t-shirt with three quarter sleeves and you know, sweats or Lululemons or something. So I bring like that little pile. In fact, I leave a whole pile there. And then I bring all these clothes, like four lug you know, bags of luggage so we can pick and choose. So yeah. Do you have a favorite of dress us our favorites? Do you have a favorite of the Royalty Gardens? Oh yeah, I think definitely. Well, I've got probably three favorites. I'll name my three favorites. Julius House, I loved that one. I thought that was a clever one. I loved. Um, I loved the wedding. The wedding is above everything now. So let's not even. That's like oh. no question about it. And I loved a very foul play. I loved last scene alive. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny, like, if you've noticed, we picked up people throughout the thing. The very first day that Dylan Sloan played, uh, you know, Philip, and he came in, everybody said he's going to become a regular. 
you know, everybody said he's going to be one of our regulars because he was so good. He reminded me of my two boys. So it was very easy to be very familial with him. And he's just such a good little actor. Not so little anymore. He's like 25. But he's so appealing that I knew he was going to be it. And Davis, who is so different, you know, he was just such a character. He was um, Cole, you know, that's his, yeah. He plays Davis. Uh, Cole is uh, is such a, I knew he was such a good actor that he would become like one of the guys too. Do you like it? Let me ask you guys something. Do you like it when they spend a lot of time with the Real Murders Club or do you like it better when it's the family or do you like it better when it's just the mystery, you know? I think the Murders Club, I really liked Sally in this last one. I thought she was really funny. Yeah, she's probably one of my favorites. Wait, you see her in the movie. What about you, up guys? What about you guys? What how do you feel about the Real Murders Club? And you know? I agree. I like it. I like the Real Murders Club. I think it's clever, and I like. I always yeah. best that, that yeah. part. Yeah. When you see it in the beginning, because it usually starts with like a real murder. Well, it starts with the murder. But when you see the real murders, you think like, oh, figures prominently. Mm -hmm. Prominently, it's going to like somehow be woven into this or something like that yeah yeah so, so I, when when you when you made the transition from yannick to niall mater was that what was that like having a new leading man well i adored i adore both of them i mean yeah. he's, niall's been with us longer but but yannick you know yannick brought a certain like you believed him as a cia guy you know what i mean he's got a little bit of mystery a little bit of danger certainly intelligence he's got he, he, there's a, a darker quality to him than what you see in, in Niles, uh, Nick. Um, and, but, you know, he's got this other series. I mean, it's, he's huge. It's a huge series. The Murdoch mysteries are mm -hmm. unbelievable. So he wasn't available to us the way, you know, he, he could come in for like a couple days, but they'd have to shoot him out. And that's not always possible. You know what I'm saying? So, when it becomes like what becomes more important, the whole movie and being able to like move locations around and stuff like that, you know, so they had to go to plan B and I love Niall. I mean, I'm, Niall and I become like really good friends and he's such a good, fun guy. So yeah. what, what did you guys think? Did you like the, the change or did, did it take a while or what did you think? It, it, took, it took a minute for me. Um, yeah. I love Niall, um, but it did take a minute for me to adjust to um, mm -hmm. the first one. I forgot his name already. Um, but Yannick. For, yes, when he left, it took a minute for me to adjust to him not coming back yeah. and um, then Niall coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's what keeps people tuning in, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. True. Yeah. But now I, I, I don't want Niall to leave. He better not leave. He's not leaving. <laughs> he loves it. He loves it. We all love Good. it. Good. We all love it. Genuinely love each other. Genuinely <laughs> love each other. It's so nice. I have such a, you know, I, I come from a big family. Greece was a big family. Chicago was a big family. Certainly taxi was a big family. I'm such a family girl that I see the filter of my life through which I see everything in life is, is family. That family thing and so once again i'm in the middle of a family and i i love every second of it i love all That's of people. what was that like kind of coming to realization of that you had this did you figure it out as a kid that you had this well, amazing memory i always say that you know when you're one of six kids you look for anything that differentiates you from your brothers and sisters and i was the middle child and my brother would say oh tell it to mary lou and she'll break it down to kid language or she'll be the family historian and people would say what's with that kid in her memory because i remember when they were there at the house last and stuff so even at six years old i was putting myself to sleep saying what did i do a week ago what did i do when i was my little brother's age you know and i was just I, I know I was born with something unusual, but I also exercised it a lot because I felt like, oh, this is kind of a fun thing that I can do. But I was 18 before I realized like there weren't a lot of people. And I was actually 60 minutes when that all came about because if you saw it, Leslie Stahl is a friend of mine and she was offered a story about a woman who had an unusual memory. She turned it down because she said, hey, hate to burst your bubble. My friend Mary Lou Henner has the same memory. But then it turned out that it's very rare. And at the time, there were only six of us in the entire world that they had found. And they wired us, put us through an MRI, took 300 measurements of our brains, and found nine areas 10 times larger than the normal brain. 
So it's called HSAM. And we, in, in order to be considered an HSAMer, you have to be able to remember uh, 200 days a year at any given year of your life. Some of us got into the 99th percentile. So it was like 365, 366 on a leap year. But, but most people remember eight to 11 events within any given year. And we, we are, you know, 200 plus. So it's something that has informed my life, but it hasn't totally taken over my life. I love memories. I love being able to recall things. I love meeting somebody and picking up right where we left off. And I feel like it, it, it's been a gift. You know, people always say, oh, is it a blessing, a curse? I always say, it's a blessing for me. It's a curse for my husband's, which is why I'm on my third and final. You know, I always say, make that, that joke. But as my husband, Michael says, what man ever wins an argument against his wife anyway? At least, he says, at least I have an excuse because of, of her unusual memory. Yeah. But it's so great because I, I feel like I can time travel at night. I'll think about like, oh, what was I doing exactly to the day when I was my son Nick's age, my son Joey's age, my niece's age. And it, then it's like I meditate on that day or, or whatever. So it's a gift. It's a real gift. That's great. That's really interesting. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. This was oh, wait, one more thing. Oh. I tell you, I'm going to do July, July 14th in New York City. I'm doing my one woman show. Uh, it's so much fun singing, dancing, everything. And then I'm going to Bucks County, Pennsylvania from August 2nd right now till the August 15th. And I'm going to do my show for two weeks, every night for two weeks. And it's going to be so good. And we're going to do this like Part of the show is going to, Candace is going to come and sing with me. Oh. Bring her up from the audience. And a bunch of Treat Williams, whom I've known since I'm 20 years old, because uh, we did our first Broadway show together. He's going to come up and he's going to do a number as well. Um, and I'm going to have fun with the audience and everything else. So I hope all the Hallmarkies come out and see me. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. We'll have all the information in the description. Uh, well, thank you for, for doing this for our patrons. This was so much fun. And thank you to the patrons. Thank you, my new best friend. I'm sure we'll download about this and talk about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you all next month. Thanks for being patrons. I thank really you. Thank you very and much. Thanks, Mary Lou. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye.